0: Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. The Women's Football Podcast is back. We had a bit of a break last week, but we are back with Vengeance and I have got Her Football Hub's Megan Wilson joining me. How's things, Meg?
1: I'm great, thank you very much.
0: Good, and we have also got Her Football Hub's Lauren Kaufman. How's things, Lauren? Good, thank you very good right let's get straight into it and talk about some of these games that have been taking place during the international break first up things are looking pretty good for England in their group I must say so let's talk about the won't talk we will talk about the win last night but first up we'll talk about the 4-0 win over Northern Ireland Meg who would you say was your player of the match
1: I mean, I feel like there's an obvious answer to this on the England side of things, but I really want to say Jackie Burns, because that was some serious performance under pressure, like, in goal from her, because she was really brave, and I think to keep England at bay for as long as she did, um, I think was you know it was really down to the wire with with her and uh, she made some incredible saves and obviously credit to Beth Mead like coming on and changing the game the way she did but i think the score could have been a lot more severe um from northern ireland's perspective and i think it was it was really down to her goalkeeping that um it wasn't worse than it was
0: yeah, no, to be honest, I I rate you for not just going with the obvious there. I think that's a, a good player to pick. I mean, you mentioned Beth Mead there. She scored a second half hat-trick in 14 minutes. Beth England grabbed the fourth for England and both were substitutes. Lauren, do you think that this really does demonstrate how much talent this England team has, that two players who were, you know, both great players but were not considered worthy enough to be in the starting eleven, but they've still got the quality that they can have these players come onto the pitch and perform like that.
2: Yeah, massively. I mean, there's so much kind of attacking talent, especially, um, all around the WSL. And I think really kind of the task for Serena is like figuring out who fits best where and, and who are going to be kind of that starting lineup for her because there is so much talent and trying to put it all together. And find the best lineup for England to go with is, I think, going to be quite a tough task.
0: It will be. I mean, when you look at the the list of players that they've that England have, it it is amazing. But it it must be very difficult when it comes to you know picking a starting eleven. And I mean, it's been a very strong start under new manager Serena Vagman. Meg, watching England now, is this a team that you can really have faith in going to the Euros? Because I'm not saying that we didn't have faith in them previously, but without getting into a, a deep discussion about it, do I really believe that Phil Neville was the right person for the job? Absolutely not. It was very bizarre. <laughs> so, you know, now that we have such a strong and determined woman at the helm, do you feel like this is a team that, you know, when you look at how focused the manager is on getting the best out of them, et cetera, it's it's a really good vibe, it's not just, you know, a, a male manager that's having a go to see how he does so he can get on a plane to Miami.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can honestly say that I have not had faith in England for a long time. Um and I think yes, that was largely down to the management. But I just feel like the the squad really kind of stagnated for a bit and it was just like the same players all the time and the same kind of story and it just it wasn't interesting and it wasn't getting the results ultimately, but I think having seen them play over the last couple of games, um, I do really like so far what Wegmann is doing with this team. And I like as well um, how much kind of faith she's putting in these younger players, because for me, they are like absolutely the most exciting part about the current England setup. you know, the likes of Ella Toon, um, Lauren Hemp. Uh, And I think it's important that older and more experienced players do sometimes step aside to let them come in and gain that experience because without the experience they're not going to progress and I think it's as well like not just the goals that they're scoring but the kinds of goals that they've been scoring and that um, for the most part they've all been very much like kind of team efforts and it's been like a lot of players being in the right place at the right time picking up those missed chances and having another go. And I think that, you know, that really speaks to the talent of the squad as a whole, but also how they're working together rather than kind of having, you know, previously it might, eyes would only be on like Ellen White to score the goals, but the fact that you've got so many who were like, as um, Lauren was saying, like challenging for these starting forward spots, um, I think is brilliant. But Obviously, we haven't seen them yet play, I think, the most difficult of the competition that they're going to face. Um, So I think now has been a good time to test out some of these perhaps different kind of formations, newer players uh, against teams that are easier to beat. But um, it will be interesting to see how that kind of develops and holds up as we kind of go deeper into the, the tournament and against more challenging sides.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It will be very interesting to see how we do against against bigger teams, definitely. Um, and, you know, not only are the goals great that we're seeing, um, but England have not conceded any. Lauren, how important is this also for the England team? Not just looking at them going forward, but, you know, defensively as well. I mean, again, we know it's, they're not playing, you know, the likes of France and Spain, etc. But it's still a positive.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's massive. I think, to be honest, I think defence is going to be really key for England over the year and into the Euros. I mean, like England have got some great kind of centre-backs in the league, looking at the league, kind of Leah Williamson, Millie Bright, Steph Horton, when they're back, um, all putting great kind of performances for their clubs quite regularly, but they've never quite, I don't know if it's that they haven't gelled or that it's never quite worked for England in the same way, even though they're all great um, defenders in their own right, I think... England have struggled in defence and kind of finding that partnership that really works, so I think yeah, defence is going to be really, really key for them, um and looking at kind of Serena's Netherlands team, that was kind of like the weak spot for them as well. you know, they have so many attacking talents in that Netherlands side, but the defenses will often let them down, so kind of seeing how she does with the England defence but also how the England defence evolves, I think is going to be really interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, definitely, it will be very interesting to see, you know, what happens with the defence, and hopefully it's not, you know, the, the the weak spot for England. I mean, in the first half of that game against Northern Ireland, we did see a lot of missed chances from the likes of Leah Williamson, Ellen White, chances thanks to Lauren Hemp, Nikita Paris. Against a side like Northern Ireland, in the end, it proved to not really matter. No disrespect to Northern Ireland, but, you know, they did win the game in the end. But, Meg, is this something that England, you know, should be looking at um you know as next summer they're going to be facing some of you know the the best nations in Europe you know the best nations in Europe and they, it's going to be you know in those types of games when you're playing you know a team like Spain for example you can't afford to miss all of those chances because there's no guarantees you're going to get them again do you know what I mean oh yeah absolutely because you know
1: we know how deadly some of those teams
0: are especially
1: Uh, on the defence and the counter-attack so if you miss those opportunities like those mistakes like you said can't be afforded because you might not get another one Uh, and then before you know it you know they'll be scoring against you and just using your own mistakes um, on the counter-attack and that is really dangerous and for a team like England yes they can kind of score bangers and like they can play some really nice football, but as Lauren was saying, the defence has historically just not kind of worked in the same way that whilst they are individual talented players, um, they kind of lack that consistency, which is really key against, you know, teams as lethal as like Spain, Sweden, France, because their attackers will just break that apart and capitalise on those mistakes, which you just, you can't afford. So yeah, definitely that will be, um, a massive
0: thing for them it will something that they really will need to to look at now despite the score line for Northern Ireland you know Meg you touched on it slightly but they were very well organized in the second half and they they did frustrate England at times and it it was kind of you know bias aside it was a bit of a shame really to see um the score line be as kind of big as it was but Lauren were there some positives for for Northern Ireland to walk away with
2: yeah for sure, I mean, like Meg said exactly like they held them for so long to be able to hold a team with kind of that many great attacking talents on the on the pitch for as long as they did. I think is testament to how well they're doing and how much they've grown in the last year and i'm I mean, you know, they're a smaller nation, they're gonna struggle, but I'm so excited to see them at the euros and kind of how they're gonna build on the developments they've already made um obviously, in the end, it kind of just took bringing on that fresh attacking talent like Beth Mead onto the pitch. But, you know, to be able to do that, to be able to have those talents come onto the pitch like that, that are well good enough to start for kind of a lot of nations is is something that, unfortunately, Northern Ireland don't possess. But but that it took that long and that kind of kind of player coming on for the goals to go in, I think, says a lot about Northern Ireland and how good they are.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, they've won two of their four group games. They remain in third place behind Austria after last night's draw. Meg, what are your thoughts on this team and what do you think that there may be lacking?
1: Um, I think honestly it's not like as Lauren was saying, like, for a small nation who haven't um have have yet to compete at an international tournament, I think it is just that experience and being able to perform against countries that have been doing this for far longer with a full professional setup. Um, So it's, you know, no real criticism of them as a team or the talent that they're producing or the work they're putting in, because clearly their ambitions for their national team have increased like exponentially. And they're seeing, they're starting to see the payoff of that with the games that they have won. So um, I think it's probably just, it's just time investment and, like experience throughout this Euros, like no matter the outcome for them, it'll probably be more what do they do with the experience, how do they use it? And hopefully like it'll be a really positive experience for them.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's um there are considering like you say, them being a small nation, there are, you know, a lot of good things about this team and I I, you know, of completely rooting them, root rooting for them even. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I hope that hope that they do get that qualification and of course England managed a 10-0 win over Latvia last night it was a special night Frank Kirby got a 50th cap Ellen White grabbed her 44th England goal to move joint second overall in the list of the nation's top female goal scorers and Ella Toon got herself a hat trick Lauren did you have a standout moment or did you just enjoy the game overall seeing England get you know such a big win
2: I mean, I think obviously you have to mention the hat-trick. I think it was pretty special as well seeing kind of the ball hit the back of the net for that third goal for Ella Toon and then she got substituted straight away. So she didn't know it, but that was kind of her final shot to get that to get that third goal. So I think that was pretty special. Um, seeing Rachel Daly as well score a couple um, was great to see. You know, she's been doing well and getting to play a bit up front um, finally after a while for England and the domestic season she's been having back in Houston has been great as well. But I just think it was a great attacking performance. It shows what England can do when they really are on the ball in that attacking sense, um, which was what was lacking, I guess, in the Northern Ireland game.
0: Yeah, and like we, like you mentioned there, Nella Toon getting herself that hat trick. Meg, um, you know, b- bias aside regarding clubs, um, are you enjoying seeing, you know, this progression of Ella Toon, you know, for club and country, really, because she's been performing quite well?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I really, really rate her, which you won't hear me say often about a <laughs> Manchester United player. But uh, I think that definitely is a testament to her talent and her kind of likeability, her humbleness as a player and the effort that she puts in. I think she is really, really deserving of that hat-trick, of her spot in the squad. And as I was saying, like I just think the young talent in particular is, is so exciting and I'm glad that they're getting you know ample kind of time and space in this squad to really show what they're worth um, because I think it's really going to pay off in the long run
0: yeah it is really exciting and one thing I thought about you know the the game as much as it was great to see you know Ella Toon perform so well etc it was interesting what Chelsea manager Emma Hayes spoke about in that she felt it wasn't the best advert for the women's game in general. And she was saying that, um, and I quote, UEFA need to invest more in the smaller nations and grow the game worldwide. England can only beat what's in front of them, but we don't want to be watching games which are cricket scores. A team like Latvia needs more funding, more support, probably a better calendar schedule. And it's kind of interesting, you know, take looking at it from that angle, because whilst it's great to see England get in these big wins, we do want to see competition in the women's game and everything. And, you know, start with with you, Lauren, but I just thought it'd be good to get um, your thoughts on the comments, if you agree with it, if she's taking it a bit too seriously and she should, should just be happy for England, or if we maybe should, you know, be looking at it from the perspective of these smaller nations.
2: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with her. I mean, I think she kind of said it in the right way as well, because I've seen some discussion in recent months, a lot of, like, kind of media um, and pundits in the men's game, especially, talking about how maybe the bigger nations should just all play each other and why are England wasting their time playing these smaller nations and, and getting these big scores? And I think that's the wrong way to look at it. The point isn't that they shouldn't get to play them. It's important that, you know, um, smaller nations get the chance to play bigger nations as well and test themselves. But it's the way Emma said it that's the right way to look at it, that the investment needs to go into the smaller nations so that these these games are more equal, and that people in countries like Latvia have the opportunity to kind of grow a really good football team and give women the opportunity to play to a good level.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. What were your thoughts, Meg?
1: Yeah, totally the same. I think investment is always key, and just because, you know, we've seen so many times, like, especially with the way that like qualification works and the kind of different confederations, when you have like, um, kind of North America, it's, it's always going to be like the US and Canada who are kind of going to take those spots and it leaves kind of very little room for smaller nations to be able to even make it onto these kind of international tournament stages. Um and yeah, there's very little kind of room for growth in that sense. But um and even like within Europe, there's there's been the dominant teams for so long and I see that like not changing anytime soon unless because it's not that you know the big teams need to not do as well or receive less investment it it needs to be matched elsewhere and it's obviously never going to be entirely equal but the um the money needs to be kind of put there so that other people even have a chance because it's not even always about the size of the nation because you're going to find that talent anywhere like england is not a big country but um they've had the money and the investment put there to find the talent and to nurture it so yeah i think it is a really important thing to always keep in mind because like you said when you just see these matches and these small teams getting kind of battered about by bigger ones in these really big score lines it doesn't advertise the game well because like you said if it's too easy then people think what's the point in watching like what's the point in doing this um so it does need to be a more level playing field but that's a it's quite a hard thing to achieve in the current uh kind of structure
0: yeah exactly and um I I agree with what you both said and also that you know Emma's approached it you know the the right way the way that she has said it and and it is true that unfortunately you know people will think why watch it they're obviously going to win that kind of stuff so it it will be interesting to see if um if anything is done about this I mean we can only you know hope and keep our fingers crossed but it definitely should be something that um The powers that be, shall we say, should be looking at. Um, So we've spoke about England, spoke about North Ireland briefly. Now to Scotland. Captain Rachel Corsi's last-minute header spared Scotland's blushes against Hungary and maintained their 100% start to the Women's World Cup qualifiers. Lauren, what did you make of the game?
2: It was an interesting one. I think, kind of looking back on it, Scotland will be disappointed. Obviously, They got the win. Like you said, they're still unbeaten in their World Cup qualifiers so far. And that is the most important thing. But it was kind of a disappointing game for them. I think the last time they played Hungary, they won 2-0, I think, pretty easily. Um, And they just kind of looked quite sluggish, I think, for a lot of it. They got kind of the goals they needed in the end, but they conceded one, which will be just disappointing. And they just kind of looked off off the ball, off the pace a bit. so it definitely won't be one I think they look back on well, but obviously they got they got the two goals they needed and they got the three points, um, and that'll be kind of the most important part at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, very true. I mean, Scotland created numerous chances in their 2-0 win away to Hungary in their opener. So perhaps the team were, you know, feeling a little bit confident of a victory, particularly with the return of Caroline Ware. However, they were made to work for this particularly nervy victory. Med credit has to be given to Hungary right for making it a little bit more difficult for Scotland,
1: yeah, absolutely, like they weren't necessarily going to take it lying down, and they denied Scotland some good opportunities as well, and the fact that they kind of capitalized on a defensive error to steal their goal back kind of showed that they were they were alert and they weren't you know. They weren't going to uh, let any of those opportunities slide, so I thought they did a really good job.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And Lauren, do you think that winning a game in that way for Scotland in some ways maybe gives them a bit of confidence because you know they've they've had to deal with like you know a nervy situation to get through? And did you have a star player for the nation in the game?
2: Um, Yeah, definitely. I think if you look back at the 2019 World Cup in those group stages when they went out, I think that's something they were really missing, the kind of ability to see out games or to push through and and to find that kind of late goal they needed. Um, And the fact that they were able to do that, I think, is promising. Um, It's something they've been perhaps missing. So even though kind of the game itself and how they played will be disappointing, I definitely think that will be kind of um, a highlight for them and something they'll kind of emphasise looking back at the game. Um, And in terms of a star player, for me, I'd say Christy Grimshaw. Who, you know, she's maybe not one of their stars, one of the ones you think of. Obviously, she's not playing in the WSL, but I think she was kind of massive for them. She really kind of injected a bit of energy and pace, which is, I think, what they were missing for quite a lot of the game. She got that first goal um, and she made a lot of other chances and kind of um, kind of pushed Hungary all the way um, and really put pressure on their defenders. So she was definitely kind of a bright spark for me on in an otherwise kind of off the pace and, and yeah, sluggish game um, from Scotland, especially in front of goal.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a good pick. I like to always pick, you know, a, a player that some people may not, you know, naturally go for and stuff. So, yeah, I like that one. Um, unfortunately, in their game against Sweden, Scotland suffered a first defeat under head coach Pedro Martinez-Losa. Meg, how impressed have you been with Sweden so far in their performances as they're now, um, according to some reports, they're unbeaten in 22 games in 90 minutes?
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they are just an impressive team, full stop. I think coming off the the defeat at the Olympics they've kind of got not necessarily anything to prove because we know they're an amazing team but definitely something to prove in for themselves I think that they can come back from such a narrow kind of miss for the gold medal and to prove that they are gonna come out on top next time and they haven't necessarily won by the biggest margins recently so I think that is kind of I'm like that's not what I would necessarily expect from them. Um, So I think they've, they've still got more work to do and and more to prove, but um, considering that they're kind of still sitting at the top of their group and they've, they've come away with the points, like um, they've definitely like put the work in and they don't necessarily need to win by a ton of goals, but I think I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm always expecting more from them because I, I know what they're capable of. Um, But yeah. Oh, always yeah.
0: impressive Sweden. Yeah I get what you mean sometimes you're expecting to see one of those big score lines um, and it doesn't always happen I mean Sweden made 10 changes but still represented you know a significant step up in quality no disrespects but you know compared to Hungary the Faroe Islands etc Lauren do you think that this maybe highlights exactly where Scotland are you know compared to some of the big teams in Europe that there is still, you know, kind of like what we were saying with um, with England in a way, not saying that Scotland or England are bad teams, but sometimes you need to maybe see them play these bigger nations to kind of see where they sit.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, And I think that's what they'll want as well. They want to challenge themselves against these higher nations and kind of that will really show them what they need to work on and how they can take themselves to the next level. Um, so I think, yeah, they obviously are below those kind of top, countries um and do have kind of things to work on in that regard but games like that will show them what yeah what they need to do um and I think you know they they are promising this it's still early days under their new manager um and I think they will really learn um kind of how to kind of play the way he wants to play and will get used to it um in time for kind of hopefully another world cup they'll qualify for and I think it was disappointing that they didn't manage to get out of the group in the end. But I think, you know, things are looking good um, for the next cycle for them.
0: Yeah, definitely. And finally, we'll talk about Wales because it's been a dramatic week or so. Um, Kayleigh Green rescued a valuable point for the nation in Slovenia before then being sent off in what was a very fiery World Cup qualifier. Meg, what did you make of the game? um
1: yeah i mean i i think they they did well to stay in there and obviously i'm sure they would have wanted more from that but um to to take the point and even if uh, green did get son off uh, i think credit credit to her for for putting the fight in and and getting that goal
0: yeah and I mean, when you look at Slovenia's goalkeeper, um, if it wasn't for Zala mersnik Lauren, do you think that Wales would have walked away, uh, you know, with a win? Because, yeah, I mean, she was looking pretty good.
2: Yeah, I mean, you do have to give her massive credit. Um, Wales, I'd say, have definitely been kind of hit and miss in front of goal. Um, and this international break has um shown no different. Um, but I think they probably would have, to be honest. I think you know she. She looked strong. Um, She was a standout um, player for Slovenia. Um, And I think kind of like you said at the start um, about Meg picking um, a Northern Ireland player as her player of the match, it's always good to kind of um, highlight um, players on the other side that are kind of doing good things and kind of standing out, even if they were on the losing side, um, which I think was the case for her.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's always nice to shine a spotlight on on players like that. And, of course, looking at Wales's other game, they thrashed Estonia 4-0 um, at the Cardiff City Stadium. There was a record crowd of 5,455. It was a very dominant display. Meg, it's great to see such a turnout, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it is. It's great to see, you know, how many, uh, you know, fans are showing up you know i think that you see england as kind of this this poster team across the united kingdom but really you know there are other nations that are performing very well um and it is great to see i mean looking at wales overall lauren they have never qualified for a major tournament but have made a promising start in their bid to reach the 2023 world cup in australia and new zealand on the whole what are your thoughts on them and do you think they will qualify?
2: be honest I think for Wales at the moment it's just the consistency you look at those games you look at Estonia and then you look back at that Slovenia game it's just worlds away um I think if they can get that consistency down they do have a chance um I mean I'm I, I have family from Wales and I'm you know slightly biased I'd absolutely love them to qualify but it is that consistency for me especially in front of goal um and just like kind of gelling together as well I mean Gemma Granger has been there for a bit now she's had a few camps but she's still fairly new and if you look at the Wales team there's kind of quite a few players that play across kind of different levels of women's football um, different countries around the world and kind of making sure when they come together in these Wales camps and Wales fixtures that they are really kind of cohesive as a unit Um, I think if they can make sure that and they can get the consistency down then why not yeah
0: Yeah, I like that positivity. Why not? You know, um, (laughs) things, you know, stranger things have happened. So 100%. And then, of course, there is the Republic of Ireland. They lost their first World Cup Group A qualifier in Dublin. 1-0 defeat to Sweden, who we were just talking about. Um, You know, the world ranks number two Swedes, you know, top of the group. And, you know, considering, you know, as we've touched on how talented this Sweden team are, Um, the Republic of Ireland, you know, they could still walk away with some positives, right? I mean, you know, for example, the performances of the likes of Katie McCall, Lucy Quinn, etc.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is what I'm kind of talking about when I'm saying that in in some of these instances, I would have expected more from Sweden. Uh, But at the same time, I wouldn't even say it's just that Sweden are underperforming, but that that Ireland really went into it with conviction as well, because even if they didn't necessarily... expect to win um, going in with that confidence and having players like Katie McCabe who are risk takers and like when she took that shot from way out like yeah maybe she missed but the fact that she was willing to kind of take that opportunity and just run with it I think you have to take those risks when you're the underdog and sometimes it, it can absolutely work out in your favour so the fact that they only lost by one goal and it being an own goal is obviously really disappointing but it does show that aside from that very unfortunate mistake that they were really holding their own.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, talking about that own goal from Louise Quinn, we've had Louise on the podcast, you know, absolutely love her. And Lauren, it was just one of those really unfortunate moments, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it, it would have been gutting for her, I'm sure. I mean, I think she's been great so far this season. It's it, It's been amazing to have her back in the WSL. And I think She's been a real bright spark for Birmingham City every time I've seen them play. Um, I think she's got one of their only goals of the season as well at the right end this time. Um, So she's been, you know, things have been really positive for her this season. And it's just, you know, one of those things, one of those, you know, you know, just mistakes, you know, is absolute fluke. that is probably never nine times out of 10 is never going to happen. But just after the performance they put in and how they managed to, kind of hold Sweden yeah I'm I'm sure she's gutted.
0: Yeah definitely I mean the one good thing is that they did manage to finish on a high with that 2-1 win over Finland. Meg considering that Finland are arguably you know their main rivals for that second place to get this win especially after you know the situation with that own goal it will mean a lot to them won't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think Finland have kind of had their own problems over the past couple of games. So for for Ireland to take that win over them away, I think was was really important and and really impressive.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, that's how the uh, the United Kingdom nations, shall we say, and the Republic of Ireland have been doing. Um, And elsewhere, some of the other nations that have been playing Spain cannot stop scoring. They found the back of the net nine times across their two fixtures. Meg, can we look at Spain as one of the favourites for the Euros? Or again, is this a situation where we need to see them against a stronger opposition? But then at the same time, I guess half of that team is the Barcelona team. And I think we already know that they're pretty good. So
1: (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, Spain are just always one of those teams that you know, are just a lethal setup because of how these players perform at club level with the domination of Barcelona who have practically raised like many of the best Spanish players. Um, It doesn't make them invincible. Obviously, they can fall to some of the equally good uh, European teams, the likes of France, Sweden, Germany. But um, I think that they're always going to be first contenders, definitely favourites because, like you said, we we just know like we see it kind of at every level domestic uh, in the Euros and the Champions League like they're everywhere and they're so technical they're so fast and as a unit because I think they spend so much time in Spain playing together on a club level they just have that um, kind of cohesion that a lot of other nations would would love to have.
0: Yeah that is that is true and I think it definitely comes in handy that a lot of your team you know are are playing together Um, I guess it, it's kind of similar you know with the Spanish men's team as well you know back in the days when they were winning the Euros the World Cup a lot of their team was you know playing for either Barcelona or Real Madrid um, so yeah it will be very interesting to see what happens with this Spain team and another team that is finding the back of the net is France 16 goals in their last two games absolute light work for them Lauren, would you say Spain or France have the scariest attack?
2: Oh, gosh, what, what a question. I know. <laughs> um, I I have to go with Spain. I think what you just touched on before, the fact that so many of them play for Barcelona or in the Spanish League, I think that cohesion is just scary. The fact that they're so on the same page, they play together all the time, and they can just turn it on at any time on you. I think I think that's just... I would be terrified if I had to play against Spain. Um, I mean, France, obviously, they've done really well this international break, but they've been up and down recently. And obviously, manager Karine Diacre has some interesting tactics. And obviously, there's been a lot of controversy (laughs) with her and um, the players she chooses not to pick. um, One of which is obviously Eugénie Le Sommer, who is, you know, one of France's best players, in my opinion, and would make that attack even better. So the fact that she's kind of choosing to leave players like this at home, you know, for reasons that are unknown, for reasons that we probably will never find out, um, I think kind of gives Spain another edge. Because, scary to say, but that France attack could be better um, if she did keep calling up these players.
0: Yeah, but I agree. It's it's a tough one, but I guess... Um... Yeah, I think for some reason Spain would scare me. Both would scare me, to be honest. I, I don't know why I'm becoming <laughs> like one wouldn't scare me more. But uh, but yeah, two very impressive nations. I mean, looking across the qualifiers, Meg, have there been any nations in particular or any players in particular that have really impressed you?
1: Um I mean, as I've said, I think I've had to kind of admit that England have been better than I have previously expected of them, and and that is exciting. But uh, I'm also uh, really happy to see that Finland are doing well because they took, you know, they've taken really quite a severe drop in in terms of the world rankings over the last kind of 15 years. Like as previously a country that has like hosted Euros, won, like has been really successful. So. Um, I'm really pleased for them that things are kind of looking on the up. I think they've still got some problems in terms of, like, the cohesion there. Despite the the scoreline, the, the game against Georgia wasn't particularly impressive from them. But then they've got players like Natalia Quicker, they've got um, uh, Amanda Rantanen. Like, she's a, a really exciting young player. Like, her goal that she scored with her face uh, earlier <laughs> this year was... Uh, a highlight for me personally um in Salstrom you know they've got a nice kind of um blend of really experienced players um and also newer ones and they're playing in the WSL and they're playing in the NWSL like they're getting um really good uh, domestic experience despite the fact that finland don't actually have their own um fully professional um league so um I'm yeah really looking forward to seeing what they do in the Euros and hopefully even take that on to to the World Cup
0: I mean who doesn't love a face goal one of my (laughs) all-time favorite goals are always face goals um and Lauren without you know trying to you know spread any hateration looking across the qualifiers have there been any nations that maybe haven't impressed you or you feeling a little bit let down by or any players in particular
2: um yeah I mean we've kind of touched on it before but Sweden were probably quite slightly disappointing this this international break obviously I think we have such high standards from them that when they kind of win but not by so many goals we're like w- what's going on but there's but just with Sweden there's just so many almost obviously they almost got there in the Olympics um And so many kind of past tournaments where they've almost been there. Um, I think kind of now really needs to be their time to push on with this Euros. Um, And sometimes they're so on it, but sometimes I'm just not as sure. So it'll be really interesting to see how they fare. And the other one, I think I I mentioned them last time I was on the podcast as well, is I'm still not totally convinced by the Netherlands so far under Mark Parsons. I mean, obviously he's still sort of doing the job at Portland Thorns as well. So maybe he's just kind of not fully there and not able to give um, the Netherlands his kind of full focus yet. But, you know, they're capable of so much, especially in attack. And um, it took them a while last night um, against Belarus. And and I think they won 2-0 in the end. Um, But it wasn't the most convincing performance. So I'm kind of, my attitude with that is wait and see, but I'm just not sure at the moment.
0: Yeah definitely and I always feel like we need a manager you know looking at the Netherlands we need a manager that's committed full-time to one role I think and then you know we'll take it from there and see uh, and see how they do Um, and also you know a lot of you know seeing these international games always gets me excited for the Euros next summer. Um, Meg and Lauren as well feel free to give us yours as well. Meg who would you say your four nations like your top nations um at the moment thinking about the euros that are going to be the top contenders
1: um well definitely Spain we've we've kind of covered why um Sweden personally uh, I will be supporting them like I love Sweden um so yeah from a personal perspective and also just because of how successful they were at the Olympics and they've got that kind of Hopefully they'll overcome this sort of little bit of a slump in these qualifiers to kind of use that loss to propel them into the tournament and do some really amazing things. Um, And then after that, probably France. uh, But as we said, the kind of strange choices by the manager, I think with the squad leaves them always kind of slightly in flux and the atmosphere doesn't always seem... Ideal, But having said that, they're, they're still like an incredible side. And then um, probably, probably Germany or Norway. I always, I love watching Norway. I think they're uh, brilliant. So I really hope that they are super successful as well. And then maybe England, I don't know. There's, it seems like there's a lot of really good, uh, really promising teams at the moment. It's gonna be, it's gonna be hard.
0: Yeah, the competition is completely wide open. Lauren, would you tend to agree with the yeah, majority think, of those?
2: Yeah, I think mine would be pretty similar. Definitely, I think Spain, Spain are there for me, and Sweden too. Even though I've just criticised them, they've you know they're they're always going to be in and around it. Um, I think you can't count out England for sure. Um, you know, um, Serena will have the rest of this year with with the new team to really figure out what her best side are. Um, you know, she's she's won. Plenty as a manager with um with the netherlands and you can't forget the kind of home advantage the home crowd um hopefully it's going to be an amazing tournament so definitely england will be um around it france and germany are going to be around there um like meg said i think i'd also mention denmark probably which is maybe maybe a bit of a rogue one but they were obviously finalists at the last euros um and i think they have such great attacking talent there that um you I wouldn't count them out and I think they'll be a tough team to play
0: against yeah I mean it really is just so I don't think you could even call it to be honest as to who you'd even see in the final or anything it's just going to be a very very exciting tournament um and looking at some of the other games you know across the world the USA won last night early hours of the morning um And of course, two-time World Cup and Olympic gold medal winner Carly Lloyd ended her international career by helping the US get a 6-0 win over South Korea. The 39-year-old's 316th and final appearance for the USA lasted 65 minutes. Before she was subbed off, she received a standing ovation and will play the remainder of the season with her club side, Gotham, before hanging up her boots. Um just whoever wants to chime in here really but obviously you know this is a huge moment to see her retiring and you know she's been an amazing player hasn't she and she'll be missed
2: you know for sure i mean it was pretty clear to see on social media last night the kind of respect a lot of um you know players across the NW, NWSL players that played with her players that played against her um have for her obviously i think in the last few years maybe um kind of hasn't been quite at that level that she was at before but you can't deny that you know she's a goal scorer she always has that goal in her um and you know it is the right time it's the right time for the U.S. to transition to those younger attackers um but kind of those big goals she scored she has scored in big finals big games will always be remembered um and she's kind of she she's one of those figures that in in football that you just won't forget whether you like her whether you don't um Yeah, she's someone she's someone that's known by everyone that's massive. And um, yeah, she'll definitely be kind of um, a notable absence among, you know, in future US camps and in big tournaments. I think obviously, hopefully Gotham will make the playoffs. I think they're almost there. So she'll have a few more games with them. Um, But it is going to be, you know, women's football without Carly Lloyd is going to be a weird one.
0: It will. And and also, do you think without, you know, trying to be shady, but, you know, the Olympics didn't really go to plan. We've talked before on the podcast about, you know, the changing of the guard with the US team, you know, maybe bringing more young players in. Do you think that this is the right time for her to be to be departing? Do you think that this is a good thing that obviously she's going to be missed, but, you know, to maybe understand that, Perhaps it's time to, you know, step aside. She's achieved a lot and maybe make way for some younger players.
1: I think so, for sure. Um, I mean, part of me was a bit like, oh, my God, they didn't win gold. Is she going to, like, say, well, I've got to hang on till the next one? Um, But I I think she made a good decision because I think, yeah, I mean, she has been a bit of a controversial figure of late as well. And I think... um, In terms of, like, the the US uh, roster, I think there are players who really deserve to step up and kind of take on some of that responsibility. And I think especially kind of surrounding the the World Cup win and her kind of complaint that she didn't play enough and that it was a horrible time despite the fact that they won, I think there's been a a few kind of sour notes to the latter uh, years of her career. So I think, you know, she's... um, she's done a lot and uh she's achieved a lot and I think now is a is a good time for her to kind of pass the the baton as it were and um she'll I'm sure she'll stay on and do do more work within within the game and she's like Lauren was saying she's a massive figure and she's done so much for visibility of the women's game as well uh that really can't be understated yeah I agree
0: what were you going to say, Lauren?
2: Oh, I was just going to say I agree with Meg. Um, Yeah, I definitely, I just think that, you know, it, it's always a difficult one knowing when the time is to step back. But I think definitely in, at the moment there's starting to be a shift to the younger players. And I think the more that she kind of stuck around and perhaps took that away from them when when they're kind of, I think the future of the US women's national team, I think, Like Meg said, she's kind of slightly a controversial figure in recent years anyway. And I think, you know, this is the right time for her to step back and and let other players kind of take the team forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, just to finish off, I thought we had to talk about the two dramatic fixtures that were going on between Australia and Brazil. The first fixture saw Australia get a 3-1 victory over the Brazilians Lauren did it feel like this win was a real statement especially you know before the game Australia's manager talks about his team and if they're able to play under pressure and how they need to be able to play well under pressure etc so did it feel like you know a big green tick for them
2: yeah no I think so I think they're another we've we've talked about inconsistent teams already there they're really definitely another one I mean they I'd say they overperformed what I thought they were capable of at the Olympics but Um, often kind of come away in international breaks with losses that that I didn't expect either. So, um, yeah, definitely a great game for them against, you know, a good Brazilian side. Um, And to be able to play back at home for them was amazing and I'm sure really kind of spurred them onto that win in front of their families, who some of them haven't seen for for almost two years.
0: Yeah, exactly. That will have definitely, you know, um, played played a role i'm sure emotions will have been quite high um meg what do you make of the situation you know in australia regarding you know the players that are dealing with speculative criticism online trolling etc all due to some claims of perhaps a toxic culture at all levels of the women's game in australia just wanted to get your thoughts on it
1: um i can't claim to know too much about the kind of the fallout of it um with the players online but just kind of on it in general I think that you know with the recent um allegations that have come out within the NWSL, I feel like now is potentially going to be a time that more of this kind of stuff is going to be coming out and it's it is always going to be for the better because even though it can reflect badly on these kind of national team setups, leagues, um, it is stuff that does need to come out because it needs to change Um, and you know no workplace is exempt from having a potentially toxic culture and it's a really individual experience so obviously some players might disagree and they might think that it's a it's a great place to be but that obviously can't always speak to everyone's experience and can't take away from the kind of severity of any allegations so um I think it's, it's good that they're kind of conducting this internal review. And I think it's always a positive thing. Um, Even if not that much comes out of it, it's still worth doing because you want to know that your players are in an environment that um, is going to be supportive of them. Um, And it's, but it is good on the other hand that the, the girls have kind of felt able to kind of come together and stand in solidarity and, and, um, yeah be supportive of their their other teammates
0: yeah exactly and loan do you think that in light of all of this um you know getting that win and you know like what meg touched on then you know showing that solidarity it kind of makes the win even sweeter
2: yeah no i think so i think kind of the girls and the current team obviously when these allegations came out were quite quick to kind of band together and they released kind of that statement saying that you know they have had positive experiences. Um, with the setup, up, but kind of not to diminish others that didn't. Um, but they kind of came together and put that statement out um, and made it clear that they were kind of standing with each other. So I think kind of coming out is such a complicated case and there's kind of so many things at play with it. And like Meg said, it's it's so important that Australia are kind of conducting this review now and we'll have to wait and see what comes of it. Um, but kind of in the meantime, I think, yeah, the girls are standing together and, and getting a win on home soil. Um, You could see it was quite emotional for them all being back. Um, Definitely would kind of, yeah, it does definitely, I'm sure, make it sweeter for them.
0: Yeah, and of course, you know, we've got to talk about Mary Fowler and Kyra Cooney Cross. They are definitely players that fans should be keeping an eye on, right Meg? Because they have both, you know, been brilliant in this break.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um, Australia have got a really good team at the moment. And I think, you know, we see a lot of the the, the Sam Kerr's and the Ellie Carpenters and the players that kind of play in the, in the WSL and the major kind of French teams, etc. But um, their young players are so exciting as well. And these two, um, I think, are going to, you know, really take a lot um, from this experience and move forward. And they're going to do a lot of really exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it is exciting to see um, so much, you know, across, you know, worldwide women's football, but, you know, so much young talent at the moment. It is so exciting, and, you know, despite that great win for Australia, you know, there were warnings that they shouldn't get too ahead of themselves, and what did they do? They ended up drawing the second game with Brazil. Um, you know, they they were leading 2-0. It all went to absolute pot. I mean... <laughs> Um, does this perhaps highlight some of the inconsistencies with this Australia team Lauren that you know they're going from you know a really big important win to letting a two goal lead slip
2: yeah no exactly like I said before they are an inconsistent side and that is something they really are going to have to fix if they want to take things to the next level I think kind of double headers with the side are always a bit complicated because it gives you a chance to kind of learn from the first game um and improve kind of how you approach the game so um you know brazil obviously did that and kind of figured it out but that doesn't take away from the fact that australia did have a two-goal lead um again and did let that slip and it you know it is making sure they can kind of hold out with these wins um and make sure they stay calm and under pressure that they are missing i think a lot of the time to take kind of their game to that next level and to be consistent and you know with the home world cup in a few years that's what they'll be working towards i think
0: yeah i agree um and you know it it was good to see brazil um you know get get that win um well not win sorry get that draw even i'm wishful thinking for them (laughs) you know to (laughs) to to kind of you know regroup after the loss and to at least get something out of the game Meg what did you make of their um their performance or you know performances
1: yeah I mean I think they did really well to come back from the first loss and then to come back from a two goal deficit I think shows their commitment and the fact that like kind of Laura was touching on that they were going to kind of make up for that consistency that Australia were kind of showing as they started to flag in that second game. So yeah, I think they did a, a really good job and, you know, they've they've got some brilliant players,
0: so they're never to be underestimated either. Of course. And, you know, Marta did feature for Brazil absolute legend. She had shirts literally thrown at her, not in like an aggressive way, in like a nice way, um, you know, for her to sign. Um, And I saw someone tweeting that, you know, she stood and signed, you know, every single one. Um, Lauren and Meg, feel free to to chime in if you want as well. But how amazing is it to see her still playing, you know, being recognised in Australia worldwide as a legend in the game? It's almost kind of a shame really that she is as old in football years as she is because you kind of want her to be 10 years younger to, and to be able to experience the game now as it's finally getting a little bit more you know recognition.
2: Yeah I mean I always think back to that amazing speech she made um, when Brazil um, exited the World Cup in 2019 and I think people probably thought is that is that her on her way out um, is that her kind of saying you know it's the next generation now but it's amazing to see her still here, you know, she's still got it, she's still thriving, and she's still kind of the heart of that team, and um, she's just an absolute legend. My favourite story that I've heard in, you know, the last few months that I tell everyone is that um, Arsenal men's player Gabrielle Martinelli went to um, the Olympics for the Brazil men's team, and he was asked, who are you most excited to see, or who will you be looking out for in the Olympic Village, like any kind of athlete from any sport and he said I want to meet Marta I want a picture with Marta she's an absolute legend in my country and you know um for him to say that is amazing um and I think just shows one impact she's made across the whole of Brazil across the whole of the world
0: yeah exactly I mean that's it Meg isn't it she's just an absolute legend isn't she
1: yeah my, my first thought as well was that speech it literally still makes me tear up uh, she's such a powerful speaker and such like a leader and a role model as well as a player. Um, I think with her and probably also Christie and Sinclair are definitely the two players that I I just wish they would never get any older and I wish they would play forever because as you said, it is almost like they were kind of ahead of their time and that they were so good, but they weren't yet like the game almost wasn't ready to recognize them or to publicize them in the way that like you know whenever we hear about these records being broken by male footballers that actually have been broken and then some years ago by these female players but the game just wasn't ready the world wasn't ready to to hear about it or to take them seriously as athletes so It is a shame in a way, but at the same time, like the fact that we can always watch those moments back and they'll no doubt stay on as like ambassadors of the game representatives and like continue to do amazing things for football and they're always gonna have those achievements and you know, those moments of like for for a kid like getting a a shirt signed for an adult even. I would I would cry if that happened to me. (laughs) Um, like those moments are gonna live on like forever and they're gonna have such like incredible legacies as as players.
0: One hundred percent, and yeah, it's just one of those we need to find. I don't know some kind of magic potion for her to keep her uh, to keep <laughs> her young and healthy and fit. Um, yeah, one of the you know one of the biggest legends to it uh, to have played the game, and it was great to see her. You know, um featuring in the Brazil game. But yeah, thank you to both of you uh, for joining too, Meg and Lauren, for joining me, and thank you to everyone. For listening to this week's Women's Football Podcast. As always, if you want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com. Make sure that you head to the like of Spotify, Apple Music, etc., to hear more from One Football.